630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Quiet night in the NHL. Two games just getting underway. The Flames and the Predators. Later on, the Canadians will meet the Golden Knights. Thursday night football. The 49ers will try to stay undefeated. They are 7-0. They visit 3-4-1 Arizona. Before we dive into some of the Oilers and Eskimos discussion, and we'll also have Atlanta Braves pitcher Mike Soraka on the show today, want to wish all the best to a former Oiler currently with the Winnipeg Jets, Mark Latestu. Of course, uh, you may have heard the news today. Unfortunately, he is going to be out of action for six months, a big part of that Oilers playoff team from 16-17. Right side for Leon Dreisaitl to the Lot on his backhand centers. One timer score. Beautiful backdoor play in Mark Latestu. Cut San Jose's lead to three to two. Now you've got Drysaddle moving it. Nugent Hopkins broken stick for the Ducks. Here's Drysaddle wrist shot blocked. Rebound score. Mark Latestu pumps it home on the backdoor. Bernier they leave it in front. Backdoor play score. Some of Latestu's highlights from that 2017 playoff run. So he has a virus called myocarditis. He should make a full recovery, but he'll have basically very limited physical activity for about six months. This is an inflammation of the heart that can reduce the heart's ability to pump. But Jets coach Paul Maurice saying that uh, Latestu is expected to uh, make a full recovery. Of course, Latestu from uh, Elk Point, Alberta. And uh, one of those great stories in making the NHL, played Junior B, played in the AJHL, was the MVP for the Bonneville Pontiacs in 2006, went to Western Michigan, got a contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins, played for Columbus, played for the Oilers, and I made no secret of the fact that uh, I've known Mark since he was uh, 16 years of age playing Junior B for the St. Paul Canadiens. So uh, tough news, but it sounds like uh, you know he will get through it and, uh, and be healthy on the other side of this. But of course, we wish Mark all the best. You can reach out by texting me at 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. My name is Reed Wilkins. Doubleheader coming up on 630-CHED. On Saturday, we will sign on 9.30 a.m. with the face-off show. The Oilers and the Penguins will meet at 11. And when that broadcast wraps up, it'll be just in time for the Eskimos and the Rough Riders at 2 in the afternoon. And I can't believe I'm doing this for those of you in Rider Nation who listen to this show. And I know I troll you and poke you sometimes. I'm having a Rough Riders player on Inside Sports. He'll be on in about uh, seven or eight minutes. Guard Brendan Labatt will check in. He's actually a pretty good story. CFL veteran. He's been through a lot this season injury-wise, so he'll fill us in. And I can also tell you, uh, Trevor Harris not expected to play for the Eskimos. Cody Fajardo has uh, been out of Riders practice with back spasms, so he may, may not be able to go for the Riders on Saturday either. The game does not affect the Eskimos in the standings. If Saskatchewan wins, they wrap up first place and they'll get the bye into hosting the West Final. All right, so the Oilers are 9-4-1 and after a couple of uh, very sluggish games. They rebound last night, take care of the Columbus Blue Jackets, winning it 4-0. Three points for Leon Dreisaitl. He leads the league in goals. He leads the league in points. Right side for Leon Dreisaitl to the slot. On his backhand centers. One-timer score. Beautiful backdoor play in Mark Latestu. Cuts 
we've got Drysaddle moving it. Nugent Hopkins. High slot cleft bum. Drysaddle again. Right face off dot. And now the one touch from Nugent Hopkins. Brush just wide. Chance Nugent Hopkins. Backdoor score. Leon Drysaddle right as the power play expires. Bjorkstrand dances around him. Centers but into the skates of Wenberg. And the Oilers have a two on one the other way. Drysaddle to Cassie. And in over the line. Back to Drysaddle. Shoots and scores. Four. Nothing Edmonton. He's a good player for sure. I mean, he's he has an impact on every game. And tonight, you know, obviously everybody sees the goals, but he, uh, that five on three penalty kill we had was a big part of the game. We took two poor penalties, uh, well, two poor penalties in the second period in the offensive zone, and then Bearsy got uh, caught with a high stick. So you, you got a team down. You hate to let them back in the game with some poor power, power plays, but uh, um, Drysaw went out and did a heck of a job on the five on three, and that, uh, that was a big point in the game for us. Huge impact all over the ice this year by Leon Dreisaitl. And the, the Oilers are blessed to have Connor McDavid on the team. He's already won the Hart Trophy. He's finished first, first, and second the last three years in league scoring. I think so far this year, and we're still early 14 games in, I think Leon Dreisaitl is the Oilers' MVP. And, and part of the reason, specifically what Tippett said there, you put him out there down two man. He wins faceoffs. He gets pucks down the ice. He gets in the way, and, and I think his all-round game has, has taken another step this year. He's a great passer. I think he's the best shooter on the Oilers. I mean, he's, he, McDavid's maybe their best passer all-round. Dreisaitl's their best passer on the backhand, and Dreisaitl is their best shooter. I know Neal's up there in goals as well, but you see the way Leon fires the puck, one-times the puck. He's their most dangerous threat to score goals as well. So good for Dreisaitl. Uh, he and McDavid, we were talking about this a few days ago, I think they're the deadliest duo in the National Hockey League. Maybe you give Boston that edge on the overall line because all three guys are so good, but I think Dreisaitl and McDavid are the best duo in the NHL, and Dreisaitl continues to, to prove that he's a star in his own right. I, I know one of the things about Dreisaitl and some of the ways, some of the things that have started this season for the Oilers, that number unsustainable gets thrown around a lot. Sure, Dreisaitl is shooting 24.5%. Well, he shot 21.6% last year. That, that was over a whole year. And for his career, he's 16.5%. So he's probably going to be a high-percentage shooter given the quality of his shot and the type of looks that he gets. Neal's at 26.2%. Clearly, that, that'll come down as well. But, you know, Leon could shoot in the high teens for sure and, and possibly be around that for his career. So if it comes down, yeah, but he also gets a lot of shots. Speaking of numbers that won't last, you, you often look at the, the big numbers and say, well, they're not going to stay that extravagant for the season. I think sometimes you have to look at the smaller numbers as well. And here's one I think we can expect to go up. Ryan Nugent Hopkins' shooting percentage this year is 3.2. He only has one goal. He is getting looks. He is getting shots. And, of course, he is getting assists. He got a couple last night. And uh, after the game, Leon Dreisaitl wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the Nuge. Nuge is perfectly fine. He's, he's an amazing hockey player. Um, I know he hasn't scored at the pace that he wants to score or that he is known to score at, but they're going to go in for him. And, and he, he does so many things uh, that you just can't can't teach and that he, um, you know, he thinks the game... Uh, at a level that uh, is, is above uh, most most others, so um, the goals the goals will come for him. Well, no doubt, Nuge has the trust of his teammates, and I'm sure the trust of many of you as well. 
Oilers did not practice today. They will skate tomorrow in Pittsburgh to get ready for the game against the Penguins on Saturday. No update on Riley Shane injured in the first period last night on that hit from Pierre-Luc Dubois. All right, we will take a uh, quick timeout, start previewing the Eskimos and the Riders on Saturday. Saskatchewan guard Brendan Labatt when we get back. Benino, Predators lead the Flames 1-0, six and a half minutes into the first period. We'll keep you updated on that one. I mentioned you can text 630-630. This individual did not sign his or her name, but I appreciate this text coming in a few minutes ago. It says, hey, Reed, did you hear about the new Cordroy pillows? Been making headlines all over. That's, that's pretty good. Took me Corduroy? a couple seconds, but I got it. Oh. New corduroy pillows. They're making headlines all over. Uh... <laughs> I always I, I always wonder, like, somebody sends me, sometimes I'll get a text, like, right when the show starts, and sometimes it's something funny like that, and it kind of gives me a warm feeling that someone is out there thinking, okay, I got to send, I got to send, read this text right when the show starts. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. An early nominee for the text of the night. Uh, we have Mike Soraka from the Atlanta Braves coming up between 6.30 and 7. Right now, an opponent for your Edmonton Eskimos this weekend plays guard for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders CFL veteran Brendan Labatt. Brendan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it is good to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. Of course, uh, the Rough Riders playing for first place this weekend when you take on the Eskimos. I got to ask you about your practice today. I saw some pictures and saw some video. It looked like uh, one of your teammates really took Halloween seriously. Can you tell us what was going on uh, with that costume by Dan Clark? Yeah, Dan. Uh, Dan's always he's like a big kid, so he always uh, he always celebrates, and he's been wearing his uh, Solly costume on uh, Halloween for probably the last three, four, five years. I'm not sure. It's been uh, been a staple though for us on Halloween that he'll usually pull out the uh, the Solly costume and uh, sport it at practice. So that's all he was up to today. Okay. Now, now, does that help or hurt his mobility when it comes to being an offensive lineman wearing that costume? Uh, you'd probably have to ask him, but uh, <laughs> it didn't really seem to slow him down. But on uh, a day three, the it's not like it's uh, the fastest tempo in the world either. So, I mean, I'm sure he got by all right today. All right. Well, uh, quite a way to, to lighten the mood uh, the, or the uh, the mood and quite a few people talking about it on social media, which which is cool. Uh, home and home for you guys on the Eskimos. A really good game, I thought, last Saturday. Edmonton got the lead. You guys fought back. They tied it, and, and you won it at the end. Uh, just, just take me through that game. Uh, I mean, I know Edmonton's locked into their playoff spot, but, but they went out there to beat you guys, and, and you guys were able to get it done at the game. Give me your perspective of that one. Yeah, they came out and, uh, you know, hit us in the mouth pretty good there, especially in the trenches. I thought, uh, you know, both sides of the ball, uh, Edmonton won coming off the bye week. They uh, they were fresh, and they came out and uh, smacked us around pretty good, kind of had their way with us. And, uh, yeah, we were able to get some traction. I mean, that's one of the things when they, they wanted to blitz is that it uh, put them into man coverage in the back end, and we we like our matchup there. We got good receivers that we got a lot of confidence in. So uh, the receivers were able to work. But, uh, yeah, up front it was, 
bit of a grind. We really didn't do uh, too, too much around the ball a couple of times for some decent gains, but, uh, you know, the pass pro, um, you know, we got a quarterback that, that took a lot more hits than we're used to having him take. So, uh, yeah, a lot to clean up. They definitely uh, came out and, and played us hard. There's no doubt about that. You know, Brendan, I'm hoping you can take me a little bit through the journey of this season. I know you didn't didn't play the first half because of an injury, but still, you know, you're you're a big part of the Rough Riders and you're around the team and you know the guys. And I remember sitting in the studio during my show watching this game, and it's about 90 seconds into your season, and your quarterback gets hurt. And and the first month for you guys was was pretty rocky. Yeah, and plus you're coming off an off season where you lost your head coach and you lost a really good player in Willie Jefferson to to a rival team. How do you think the team was able to sort of recover from those losses and not just get by, but now have a chance to to play for first on the weekend? Yeah, no, it, the season definitely didn't get off on the foot that we wanted it to. There's no doubt about that. I think we, everybody had a lot bigger hopes for, uh, you know, Zach and the Riders for 2019 than, uh, you know, how, how short that, that that happened for us this year. But uh, Cody came in, and, I mean, it was the first game of the season. We were already seeing Isaac, so we were on our third string uh quarterback you know in the first couple quarters of football for the season so it wasn't uh, definitely wasn't the start but I think we just got really good belief in our in our facility and I think it starts from the top down I think you know in the football ops and Jeremy O'Day I mean and him and Craig Dickinson they just uh, have a real attitude and a confidence about them and I mean a lot of things don't have to be said but you just kind of believe in what they're what they're telling you and I think that that's the uh, the biggest thing that we got going for us is that it's just a tight-knit group that uh, you know really believes in each other and when the game's on the line uh, you know we got a lot of guys that that relish that opportunity and can't wait to go out and make the play so that's uh that's really about the the biggest change I think I, I've seen in a team, and this is probably one of the the closer teams I've been on. But uh, you know, definitely just the the belief, and the, they're never ever out of a game, you know. And that was the one thing when I wasn't playing with them that I sat back and watched uh, for the, the first three months of the season. Brendan Labatt from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Well, Fajardo's been a huge story, and I know there's a, a story out this afternoon that he's questionable for Saturday's game, so we'll see how that goes. But look, a, a player who had never been a star in the CFL, had mostly been a backup in his career, and now he, he's an MOP candidate. Tell us a little bit about Cody, you know, behind the scenes as a quarterback, as a teammate. Why has he been able to be so successful and become a star this year? I think he, he puts in a lot of work. I think that's the first thing that pops off. But I think he's just got a, a personality and, you know, he's just a, you know, he's kind of contagious. Guys just love to be around him and he, he's just a winner. So I think that that's one of the, the things about him. I mean, he's, he's won from high school on. So, I mean, you, you look at his resume and his career to date and, I mean, this is who he's always been. So I think it was just getting, uh, you know, a chance to, to get comfortable. And, I mean, he's obviously a dual threat. You know, he can, he's got good wheels and can run and uh you know he's shown he can read defenses pick up blitz and uh you know still throw the deep ball so he he was able to study behind some great guys and i think that's one of the things that uh you know not a whole lot of people know but i mean he was in toronto with with ricky ray and he's been in you know in bc and he's been around some quality starters and i think that uh you know his time spent in the past is just prepared him for when he got this opportunity and he's it's uh he's definitely made the most of it there's no doubt about that i don't know what more he could have done for us this year than uh what he came in and did 
Brandon, just a little bit about you. you. You turned 33 about a month and a half ago. If you had a quote-unquote normal job, uh, <laughs> you'd still be considered young. You're at the age in football where probably people start to say, how much longer are you going to play? You know, uh, Did you feel like you're getting old in the context of a young man's sport? And you battled back, like you said, through an injury that, that cost you over half the season. Just tell me a little bit about your journey this season, uh, You know how you're feeling and... Th- th- that drive to keep playing does does going to the game did going to the stadium for a practice or a game feel the same as it did when you were younger you know do you are you motivated by different types of things now i'm just curious about uh, i mean you've, you've had a great career and i'm just curious about how the how you feel about about the journey yeah no i mean it's been a bit of challenge of a year actually you know to to come out and then you know, just right from the start of training camp, really didn't feel good on day one. And then by day two, after it had already started to tighten up, it was just kind of already compounding and uh, knew it wasn't good. And then, yeah, to go down and get surgically fixed up and then uh, re-injure it in rehab, first time I've ever rehabbed. So there was a lot to be learned there on, uh, you know, they want you to push it, but not too hard. Well, I didn't really know what that meant so I ended up re-tearing it and uh, you know setting myself back and then to come in in week 12 is probably one of the biggest challenges I've I've ever had too to uh, you know these guys have been flying they got four months of playing under their belt and you're trying to come in and, and fit in and everybody still kind of got the same expectation of uh, production for you so it's been a, a big challenge I mean just more mental but definitely the fire still burns I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have came back off of the surgery if I didn't have the the fire in me to still want to play. And, uh, you know, definitely, if nothing else, to uh, go out on a different note than that. I didn't want to be, you know, sidelined from essentially day two of training camp, even though I made it to probably day 14, 15 or something like that. But uh, just knew I wasn't playing the game the way I wanted to to feel out there and I mean even right now I'm still not at a place where I'd say you know I'm in my old form it's uh you know it's kind of like I got a new body right now so I'm trying to retrain some muscle memory and uh just redo a lot of things and there's only so many reps in practice so it's been a a challenge I mean there's uh I'm trying to make the most of uh, the little bit of time of preparation that we do have but uh you you can't outbeat being on the field for the four months previous every day that's where you you really get to refine and hone in your game and uh you know i haven't had that opportunity so it's uh trying to do the most in a little bit of time i have left now well brendan you know you're you're talking to uh, an audience here in northern alberta and you guys have fans across the country so there are definitely some people listening who are thrilled with the season you're hap- you're having as a team there are definitely some people listening tonight who are probably a little peeved about it but but regardless of which side of the fence the fans are on I, I think there's no doubt the, uh, the the rough riders have been a pretty big story this season thanks for telling part of that story and thank you so much for your time tonight uh, no problem thanks again for having me on right on really good stuff there from brendan labat rough riders offensive lineman don't tell blake dermott i said this but the old lineman often the best interviews on the team Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. In the next half hour, this will be great. 
had a great rookie season with the Atlanta Braves. Pitcher Mike Soraka on Inside Sports. Flames 2-1 with three minutes left in the first period. Benino and Watson for the Predators. Derek Ryan with the response for the Flames. Nashville with a 14-3 edge in shots on goal. Later on tonight, the Canadians face the Golden Knights. Thursday night football, early touchdown for Arizona. Game is not even three minutes old. The Cardinals lead the 49ers 7-0. Oilers day off. Practice tomorrow. Play Pittsburgh on Saturday. Eskimos play the Rough Riders on Saturday. We'll have a doubleheader right here on 630. Chad, you can text 630-630. DL writing in says, uh, Hey, Reed, Leon Dreisaitl looks hungry, and he looks like he has something to prove. He got 50 last year. Now he wants to prove that he can do it again and maybe even prove he can have a better season than Connor McDavid. That is a text coming in from DL. Well, like we were talking about in the first half hour, Leon does look great, uh, does look hungry, and he has been the Oilers' best all-round player this season. Um, got a great shot, pretty good in face-offs. I, I know I think he's his percentage isn't great, but he's won some key ones along the way. And he uh, gets used on the penalty kill. It goes out there when they're two men short and does a really good job against Columbus. So, uh, so far, so good for the Oilers. Certainly some, you know, still some concerns, concerns about the death scoring. The, the <laughs> It's Halloween. I just called it death scoring. The depth scoring. The, that'd be a good title for a movie. Death scoring. The Spooky. Depth scoring. Uh, but take the points in the bank. And uh, see where you can go from here. That's going to be a fun one against the Penguins coming up on Saturday. Mark Letestu, the former Oiler now with the Winnipeg Jets, has a uh, heart virus called myocarditis. It'll take six months to heal, but he should make a full recovery. Also, with the Jets, GM Kevin Sheveldayoff says Dustin Bufflin, who of course has not been with the team, has had ankle surgery, and the team was not directly involved in that decision. Shevel Dayoff also declined to discuss the team's relationship with Bufflin other than to call it complicated. He did not say if Bufflin might return to the team later on this season. That's been a bit of a soap opera there. And Saskatchewan Rough Riders quarterback Cody Fajardo questionable for Saturday's game after uh, getting a muscle injury in his back at practice yesterday. He did not practice today. Riders host the Eskimos on Saturday. you got to favor the Riders in that game. They're having a great year. they got a good squad. The Eskimos aren't expected to use Trevor Harris in that game. And Saskatchewan has the motivation of if you win, you clinch first place. If you lose, then you leave the door open for Calgary, and Calgary's playing the BC Lions Saturday night. So you heavily favor Calgary to win that game. So I would call it pretty much a must-win for the Riders if they want to get first place. But like I was talking about with Brendan Labatt in the first half hour, it started horribly. Their quarterback gets hurt. They uh, lose three of their first four games, and uh, now they're sitting there at 12-5. and five. So really good job by the Riders. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 780-4-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. If you're out there uh, driving around Halloween, trick-or-treating, thanks for tuning in. Hope it's uh, safe and productive in the candy department. 
as I've, I've mentioned, I'm not a big Halloween guy. I, you know, I don't, I don't have kids, so I don't have, I don't get caught up in the, that whole uh, a part of it. Uh, so I thought, well, what, what can I bring about Halloween? Well, you know, I, I, I do enjoy, I do enjoy movies, do enjoy the odd scary film. So I thought to keep the Halloween theme going. Like Jay Lynn did a great job with all the Halloween stuff on the afternoon show. It was fun, yeah. So I thought I would play some little clips throughout the show tonight of my favorite uh, little scenes from scary movies. So here's the first one. Care Bears countdown. Four, three, two, one. Who's that coming from some... All right, this is uh, obviously the wrong piece of tape. Somehow this is terrifying, got, Reed. Somehow they got mislabeled in our library. This is... What is this? Sorry, this is not from a, a horror or suspense movie. This is the Care Bears countdown. So we'll look, we'll look for the uh, accurate piece of tape a little bit later on that actually has scary movie dialogue. Well, this is going to be fun coming up in about uh, four minutes. We have had, we obviously have current NHL players on the show all the time. We have current CFL players on the show all the time. We have had uh, current NFL players on the show. Not a lot, but we had John Ryan on a couple times when he was punting for the Seattle Seahawks. We've had Kelly Olynyk on the show, a current NBA player. I don't think since I've been hosting that we've had a current Major League Baseball player on. We've had retired Major League Baseball players. Uh, you know, we had Ed Sprague on. Um, we've had, uh, obviously, Mike Johnson on, Greg Zahn, some guys like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've had a current Major Leaguer on Inside Sports since I've been the host. We've had some prospects, We too, are but... about to change that after the break. Pitcher Mike Soraka, he's from Calgary. He's coming to Edmonton on the 16th to speak at the Baseball Alberta Banquet. Uh, really good season for him with the Atlanta Braves. He went 13-4, and four, had a good start in the playoffs. Mike Soraka coming up next on Inside Sports. Inside Sports, a young man from Calgary who just had a great rookie season on the mound for the Atlanta Braves, Mike Soraka. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. We appreciate your time. It's obviously fun for, for a lot of fans to, to follow your journey over this season with the Atlanta Braves, and, and you're a Canadian in, in Major League Baseball. I'm curious, did you did you meet a lot of Canadian fans who might have said hey good for you or do you have Canadian kids sending you a card to get signed or anything like that yeah definitely uh we definitely see the uh outreach there among a lot of Canadians and uh you know and it'd be in everywhere too um you know it didn't matter whether in San Diego or uh St. Louis or wherever I mean there always seemed to be somebody yelling from yelling from the crowd you know I'm from Red Deer or something like that um, you know, or we have family in Saskatchewan, and he said, "Okay, awesome, awesome to hear." But uh, no, it's awesome to get that support and kind of feel like you're representing an entire country. Uh, that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, well, that is that is pretty cool, and definitely, uh, you know, if you're a Canadian in the bigs, you get fans following you for sure. Qu- quite a year for you. C- kind of take me through the season. You know, you're still a relatively young guy. What were your, if you can kind of take me back seven or eight months, what what were your expectations for yourself coming into the season? I mean, did you think, yeah, I think I'm going to be full-time member of the rotation? Or, you know, what was your approach going into spring training, going into the year? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously going into the year, having been hurt last year, um, my goal was to remain healthy and um, kind of had an unfortunate uh, injury in spring training uh, that kind of sidelined me for just a quick 10 days, really. Um, so I was a little behind right out of spring training. Um, but yeah, I mean, had I been healthy, obviously the goal was to uh, make the rotation. And I think at that at that time, there might have been one, maybe two spots open out of spring training. Um, but I mean, you know, you know with how how the rotation goes and how baseball goes, there's always going to be uh, openings. And, um, you know, having been delayed, I was optioned to AAA at the end of camp. Um, and I actually began and began the season in AAA for two outings. Um, so, you know, it, it worked out to get back up and, and be able to give, be given that opportunity pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, with a, the way our organization is and how stacked we are with younger pitching, you know that with a team that wants to win now, um, that if you don't produce, I mean, somebody else is going to be given the opportunity. So, um, you know, I think a couple of us really start by start, we're taking it as, you know, we got to perform in this one or we might not see another one, you know? Um, so I feel like that was the, that was the feeling for at least the majority of, uh, of the first half. Um, and really that, that flew by. I mean, when you're taking it one, one step at a time like that one day, um, you know, it just brings a new meaning to it. So. Uh, really just trying to stick with the team and, and be able to compete every fifth day was uh, was my number one goal. What was it like to go to the All-Star game? That must have been pretty surreal. Yeah, that was crazy. I think, like I said, starting the season in AAA, you don't ever think about um, being in the Major League All-Star game that year. Um, you know, it's something that I've watched every year since I've been uh, paying attention to baseball really and and it's just something that you don't even really think about because so many things need to happen and, and go right for you to be able to get that opportunity to go there um, and then you know with the talent around the league that I mean you could you could perform so well but you know there's just a, a few other guys that just did it that much better so um, that's not even something that you really have as a goal um, and I think going forward, knowing that it's a possibility is going to be huge for me. But um, I don't think that one really settled in until a couple of weeks after it. As you went through the season, what kind of adjustments did you have to make to your pitching? And I guess kind of as a, as a part two to that, or maybe it all ties together, what kind of adjustments did you see hitters making to you as they got to know you a little better and probably had more tape on you as the season went on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a couple things that uh, you really got to pay attention to as the season goes on, especially as your, your first time up. Uh, you try and not make any adjustments until the hitters start making adjustments to you, right? Um, you know, it'd be pointless to start tinkering with things and, and changing things up if it's continued to work. Um, but I think I, I think I did get to a, a point where you know outs were coming just just quite as easily as they were earlier, uh, and that required just some diving into into video and and patterns and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, finding out that okay, you throw when you're in this count, you throw this pitch on the outside part of the plate 78% of the time. So it's kind of things that they're going to bring up in hitters meetings to say, listen. Okay, for example, you get in a, 
in a hitter's count, you're ahead. I mean, you're going to see a fastball away um, three out of four times. So that makes it a little harder uh, when they know what's coming. And not only do they know what's coming, they know where it's going to be. Um, so finding out little things like that and being able to switch those up was, was huge as the season went on. Um, and that's thanks to our uh, our coaching staff and our uh, video department to be able to kind of pull that all together and, and say, hey, look, you just need to switch this up right here and kind of throw them for a loop. Um, then you might be able to go right back to it. Um, so it's little things like that that, that you got to worry about. But um, obviously being able to look at games objectively as well, uh, you know, it's baseball and sometimes you can actually pitch pretty well and your line just doesn't quite show it. Um, so you kind of got to be worried about games like that too, but, um, you know, we're, we're lucky to be in a, in a forward organization that's uh, moving forward with a lot of analytics and uh, trying to use all that to our betterment. Uh, great answer. I, I love how you, how you talked about that and, and scouting yourself as well as scouting the opposition. That's a big part of it. You guys made the postseason. You had a postseason start. You pitched well. Uh, the team won the game. You wound up with a no decision. Mike, I, I hate to ask you about this, but it's, it's a memorable moment from this, uh, from this year. Uh, you guys were eliminated in a game where the Cardinals scored a 10-run inning. Um, I mean, man, that must have just been felt like you're getting punched in the gut over and over again watching that. Can you sort of just take me through that that inning and, and, and try to deal with it, what you saw from the guys, uh, you know, in that inning and, and after that the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, it's... It was a tough one for sure, and I think most of us were more stunned than anything else. Um, you know, it, it just we hadn't had a game like that all year, and uh, it just wasn't even you know a large part of anybody's anybody's doing. You know, I think even seeing uh, Fulty in the in the clubhouse after the game, and uh, he had kind of the same emotions as we all did, because in reality, he really didn't throw the ball too badly at all. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you asked him, he'd say that he would have made some better pitches here or there. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how many pitches he threw, but I think it was it was around 30. Um, and I think all of us have thrown 30 pitch innings and not even given up a run. Uh, it just seemed like everything that went on that inning was, you know, double down the line, loop single, then there was a double in the gap. And it was just kind of, one thing led to another and it just all happened so fast. So, um, you know, realizing that sometimes that's how baseball works is is kind of tough because there's no real answer in that. But, you know, it's just getting you that feeling that you remember and and hopefully you're able to bring back that incentive uh, into spring training and and build on that and understand that we want to be there and we want to be past there in the future. I think uh, all of us feel that way. Mike Soraka joining us at Inside Sports, pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. He's uh, going to be in Edmonton at the Baseball Alberta Banquet on November 16th. So we look forward to you coming to, to town for that. Mike, I, I want to you know give you a chance to tell your story here uh, a, a little bit. You know, Canada, certainly known as a hockey nation, but uh, a lot of guys like you excelling in baseball, basketball, soccer, tons of other sports. 
what was a, uh, a a little Mike doing? I, I guess if I could uh, put it that way. Were you baseball right as a little guy? Were you uh, skating at a young age like a lot of Canadian boys? So what what was your sport when you were, you know, six years old? Or were you doing all of them? Uh, I, I, was, I was typical um, hockey, hockey, hockey. Uh, I played soccer and baseball in the summer uh, just to keep me busy, really. But uh, no, I was I was all hockey until uh, I'd say 12 or 13 when I kind of started to enjoy baseball a little a little more uh, than previously, and I think you know it got to the point with hockey where yeah, I was going to have to give up one of the two if I wanted to be uh, as competitive as I wanted to be in, in either of them, uh, which is unfortunate, but that's how that's how it works now, and and you know I do. I do think that being able to play multiple sports has helped me get to where I am today because, um, you know, there, there's little things within each of them that teach you so much. Um, you know, I really do think it's unfortunate that a lot of kids have to give up one or the other at 11, 12 years old uh, because really hockey up here now is starting to become a year-round thing with uh, spring hockey, then summer camps all summer. Um, and then you jump right into tryouts, right? So, um, you know, I, I, if you'd asked me when I was 10 years old, I would have told you I wanted to play, I uh, wanted to be a goalie in the NHL for the Calgary Flames. Um, that's definitely what I would have told you. But, um, you know, I just, I fell in love with being at baseball, uh, practicing whatever, whatever it might be, uh, ground balls, fly balls, Pitching, hitting, you name it. I never, uh, I never showed up at baseball practice not wanting to be there. So uh, that that decision was pretty easy for me, and I really, I mean, it, we just took it step by step, just because I, I love to play, and it just started to click, you know. When did you really start to think, or maybe it was someone that had to tell you? I, I often ask elite athletes uh, this question and it's it's interesting the variety of answers that i get when did it start to kind of click for you oh i like i actually might have a chance not just be like a really good baseball player but to be a major league play at the highest level was there a moment where you really started to to feel that way like okay if i keep pushing like maybe one day i am in the majors um you know i think i started throwing harder when i was about 15 or 16 um you know, and, and I started throwing so much harder to the point where, you, you know, you kind of get excited and you think, uh, okay, where do we go from here? And then uh, made Team Alberta for the Canada Cup that year, uh, kind of out of nowhere. Um, you know, I remember showing up at the Top 40 camp and being with kids two, three years older than I was and, and not really knowing anybody, or if I did, they played in the same program as I did, but two or three more years advanced, so... Um, you know, I, I think I was thrown into the fire a little bit and uh, didn't have a real good perception of it, but uh, I think that's what kept me going was just wanting to be better, wanting to match the kids that I was playing with and against. And then once I got to the junior national team, same thing. We got to play uh, minor league talent, and uh, you see what makes them them, and um, you just want to keep going, keep keep getting better. So, um yeah, I thought I was going to college until the uh, spring of my draft year when I came out throwing a lot harder and college uh, would be a little more forfeitable, uh, I guess you could say. 
um, you know, it was much more worth it to me. And I, and I think that I had a better chance to uh, kind of be advanced in my career if I, if I took it right away at high school. So, um, you know, we had a pretty good, pretty good idea by then, but uh, I don't think I ever went into baseball with the expectation that, you know, I'm pushing to this next goal. I'm pushing to this. I'm pushing to that. It was just, how do I get better? And if that meant throw harder and get in the weight room, that's what that was. If it meant uh, work on throwing my curveball for strikes, that's what it was. It was never, um, it was never taken as one huge goal just to keep pushing to get to one place. Um, it just kind of kept going. Awesome stuff. Well, uh, you're you're a great story. You know, I, I know you wish uh, I, I know you wish you were still pitching, but a pretty good year for you and the Braves. So uh, I hope you enjoy your off season. And, and it sounds like you're a Flames fan, eh? <laughs> yes, definitely. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's that's okay. Hopefully, there's some good showdowns between the Oilers and Flames this season. Mike, thanks a lot yeah. for your time. I hope we could do this again soon. Awesome, Reed. Thank you so much. Great stuff. Atlanta Braves pitcher Mike Soraka. Incredible story. Told you how he went from Calgary to the Bigs. Promising career ahead of him. Well, this is going to be fun between 7 and 7.30. Two of your favorites making their triumphant return to inside sports in studio from the number two ranked in the country, Edmonton Oil Kings, defenseman Connor McDonald and Wyatt McLeod coming up. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.